attention on it, and it reveals itself to you. Or Mary Oliver, there's nothing in the world, if I pay attention long enough, doesn't cease to foster wonder and love. And if there is, I haven't found it yet. This beautiful sense that the attention that we offer to the world, that this inherently brings this intimacy and brings us in contact. An adaptation from the sixth Zen patriarch is enlightenment is to be intimate with all things. Mindfulness allows us to see clearly. And then it's this attitude of kindness that transforms. If you look closely, you can recognize that our practice is very much about relationship. Our relationship with each moment, with what's here. We're surprisingly unconcerned as especially as time goes on and we see more clearly with the specific object the object changes right and sometimes it's pleasant and sometimes it's unpleasant and sometimes it's what you want and sometimes it's not this is the character of the world but what matters is the relationship you have with whatever is there. And metta is all about this relationship. I really liked a uh, teaching I heard once, I don't remember from who, but that what we do in the practice with the teachings of the Dharma is we set them on the heart, pieces, the list, this and that, And then when the heart breaks, the teachings fall in. There's this sense of it coming together in this kindness, this opening of the heart. Think about the qualities that are present in mindfulness and that are also here in metta, the attention, quality of presence, Acceptance, interest, non-judging, non-interfering, no agenda, letting things be as they are. Can you feel the quality of mindfulness there, but also this quality of an open, kind warmth. An unconditional love or radical acceptance. Rumi puts it this way, says, even after all this time, the sun never says to the earth, you owe me. Look what happens with a love like that. It lights the whole sky. And love in our culture, in our translation, is a complex word. And you might find it much more useful to use the word of 
friendliness or caring or loving kindness or simply kindness. And it's central to our practice. As Sally was talking last night, the Vipassana and the Metta, they overlap and support each other. And this is true of all the Brahma-viharas, the divine abodes. So there's metta, loving-kindness, that we're starting with. Karuna, you might recognize the chant this morning. Karuna, compassion. Mudita, sympathetic or appreciative joy. And upeka, equanimity. And we'll spend time with each of these over the month. But today, with this quality of metta, loving-kindness, you may have heard, but I'd like to share with you the story that comes to us from the down through the years in the Buddhist tradition about the initial time that the Buddha taught metta to his disciples. So at that time that the Buddha was teaching, the way it would go is that the Buddha would offer the teachings and and then they monks and the nuns would get all the information and then they'd go off and practice for a period of time, like for the length of the rains retreat. And the Buddha sent a group of his monks off into this. He had, he had seen that there was this good place, this forest that had uh, villagers nearby who were willing to offer support. And a group of monks went off there and they went into the forest and they started to practice. And it seemed like an ideal place. But it turned out that there were tree spirits. It was a lovely forest. Of course there'd be tree spirits there who lived in the trees. And there's the story goes is that it was uh, inappropriate for the tree spirits to be above the height of the monks. And the tree spirits were respectful of this. So they came down to the ground thinking the monks would just hang out for a little while and then leave. But then the monks kept staying and they were meditating. And the tree spirits were like... Uh, we're tree spirits. We're not going to hang out on the ground forever here. This doesn't. This isn't working. So they started trying to scare the monks away. They were like, "This has been fine, but you need to go." And they did things like make the air really stinky and make creepy sounds in the night and uh, sort of ran around, sort of causing noise and discomfort in the energy and the monks got the message and you can imagine if you were off uh, practicing in the forest and all these things were happening you'd be like "Mm, I don't think this is such a good place so they left and they went back to the Buddha and they said I know you sent us to this place but it's not any good it's 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 agitating and there's noises and it smells bad and and the Buddha said, oh, well, you've disrupted what's the, those that have been there, and you need to come in with an attitude of loving-kindness and share that loving-kindness with them and send them goodwill and wishes. And the monks went back and did that. And the spirits calmed down, and I don't know how they worked out who was in the trees and who wasn't, but apparently after that, everybody got along. And one of the understandings from this is that 
that metta originally was taught as an antidote for fear and for discomfort and difficulty, as a direct antidote for difficult situations. And I hope you'll remember this as your practice is going along. If your tree spirits start acting up, it's always nice to lean back in to metta and offer to yourself and the difficulties a warmth attitude of heart. This warmth attitude is understood to be already in us. We're not trying to, we don't have to cook something up that doesn't exist. It's simply tapping in to the goodness that is here in each of us. It's already here, innate. And sometimes in our practice, we're paying attention to the greed and the aversion and delusion, these kalesas that make things difficult, and that's what's happening. But another option in our practice is to come in below the surface and to what's deeper in us, more innate, more core, and tap directly in to this loving kindness, this goodness that is here. And then to offer that into our practice and into the world. In doing this, we're also reflecting deep truths of the path. Because we're moving in this relationship of kindness, we're moving from a separation, from disconnect. We're moving towards connection, towards intimate relationship, a kind of generosity of spirit that dissolves our isolation. Letting go of that which holds us apart. The most important thing in this practice and in the practice of the Brahma-viharas, is this intention, this intention of kindness. Sometimes we might not feel it. We might not feel it at all. Like, I'm not feeling very loving kind at all. But as long as we keep cultivating the intention to be kind, the intention to have a warm relationship, then we're moving in the right direction. Sometimes metta has been talked about as like little, like the raindrops filling a bucket. And one raindrop, two raindrops, it doesn't... We look in the bucket and go, I'm still not feeling anything. But over time, drop after drop, the bucket fills. I'll read you a poem from Rosemary Watula Tromer called And Again. And what if I never get it right, this loving, this giving of the self to the other? And what if I die before learning how to offer my everything? What if, though I say I want this generous, indefatigable love, what if I forever find a way to hold some corner back? I don't want to find out the answer to that. 
I want to be the sun that gives and gives until it burns out. The sea that kisses the shore and only moves away so that it might rush up to kiss it again. It is a beautiful invitation into our practice to just keep moving towards it, to rush up and kiss this moment again and again. So there's a number of different ways that we can come into the practice of metta. First, just having an attitude of kindness. You've already heard us saying that cultivating just this attitude of kindness, the attitude that there isn't something that's gone wrong, the attitude that this moment isn't broken, you aren't broken, this attitude that what is here is worthy of our attention, our kind attention. And at other times, we might want to do it a little more formally, like not just mixed in, but as I was saying, do it as the Buddha suggested, like directly into the moment. And we can do that sometimes by warming our heart and radiating, and we will do that later in the month, offer it. But a traditional practice in this lineage is to use phrases. And I'm guessing from the hands that went up that most of you are familiar with phrases. But I'll just say a little bit about it. There's some formal um, phrases that have been around and that have been adapted a little for our modern language. And I'll use those as we step in. But the phrase itself is much less important than how it touches and warms your own heart. So you can change the phrases so that it works for you. And that's what's most important. When I first did this, oh my goodness, my praise phrases got so complicated and kept changing. And, and that was a perfect process for me to go through. And then eventually they just settled down to the old traditional phrases. But it took a while. And yours might settle down into something that's more modified for you. And that's fine. When you're doing the phrases, when you're doing this practice, it's really important that you stay connected to the heart center. That's where the important work is going on, feeling your heart. And the phrase is really to remind you again and again of the attitude that you're cultivating. And when you're doing it, when we do it for ourselves or for someone else, it can be very helpful if, you're, if it's possible for you and you like to do it to bring an image of the person or the being. If you're not a visual person, that's fine. You don't, it's not required. So there's a kind of sequence I tend to do of like feeling my heart center And then offering the phrase, a phrase is like this little energetic flowing out that goes to an image. And then coming back and checking the heart, 
Then there's the image, letting the, the next phrase flow out. Taking your time, taking your time, and reconnecting with the heart and the intention again and again. Two more things before we start. It's most important that you do the metta where it is easiest or at least where it feels possible. Don't don't do the loving kindness practice in such a way or for a person or a being that makes you feel like you're banging your head against a wall. That is not metta. That's banging your head against the wall. I remember once doing metta and going to my teacher and saying, yeah, I'm doing metta, I'm doing metta, I'm sitting there, but there's all this clanking going on in the kitchen and they're making so much noise and, and they're, it's really a problem. And she said, hmm, doesn't sound like metta to me. It's like, oh, maybe I'm missing the point. So try to make it for... Try to find the way. It's okay to be creative, to see, find your way in where it works for you. And the other thing I sort of pointed to is um, don't worry if a whole bunch isn't happening. That's okay. Just trust the drops. Just trust the drops one after another. So let's go ahead and settle into your meditation posture. It's great when we're doing the meta practice, if you can, to let yourself be as comfortable as possible. Like if you notice that you're feeling a little struggle being sitting on the floor and you might be more comfortable in a chair, I encourage you to move there. It's helpful for the body if it's comfortable. And even in the middle of the sit, if you find that really what you're doing is struggling with pain and discomfort, I encourage you to move and adjust so that you are more comfortable. So we will start with metta for the self. And then as we do, I'll also be encouraging you if you'd like to move to somewhere where the metta, wherever the metta is easiest. From Nisargadatta, when you realize the depth and fullness of love of yourself, you realize that every living being and indeed the universe is included in your affection. So letting the body find as much ease and relaxation as is available in this moment. Might even take a moment to appreciate this body, that it's here, that you, it's a body that allows you to practice.
softening any places of discomfort. Feeling the ground underneath you. Feeling the support of the earth. And letting yourself rest and be supported. Sometimes when we practice, it's nice to feel the sense of support. Perhaps like sitting in the lap, the abundant lap of this Mother Earth. Or sitting in the lap, the felt sense of someone or a place where you feel safe. Perhaps there's a grandparent in your history, or there's a particular forest or meadow. There's just a place that you know anywhere that when you're there, the body can soften some. That there's some sense of safe enough. And letting yourself recognize in yourself, here, some good quality, something you can appreciate about yourself, your own goodness. It can be simple. The fact that you are sincere and have shown up in this room, that you are drawn to practice, your intention to be happy and kind. Or perhaps a kind thing that you've done, as simple as holding a door, doing your yogi job. Committing to a month of practice. Letting your attention come to your heart center. And perhaps you can have a felt sense of yourself sitting here. Or perhaps there's some other image of yourself in this place of safety that we mentioned earlier, of ease. I'll offer you the traditional phrases. First a long version and then a shorter one. 
may I be safe and protected from inner and outer harm. Feeling it in your heart center. Just seeing what's there, not trying to force something to happen, but just noticing. May I be happy and find joy in each moment just as it is. May I be well in the body, and where that is not possible, may I have ease with things just as they are. May I be peaceful and live with ease. Some people find it helpful sometimes, particularly at the beginning of practice, to put a hand on the heart, sort of connect with that area. May I be safe. May I be happy. May I be well. May I be peaceful and live with ease. You might add, if you like, may I be filled with loving kindness. And just to let you know, there'll be lists of some of these phrases out on the board afterwards. You don't need to memorize them all. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be free of suffering. May I be safe. May I be happy. May I be well. May I be peaceful and live with ease. And you can continue with these phrases for a bit. 
or perhaps you have your own that you'd like to do. I'll come back in in a couple minutes with a couple more suggestions. If you notice that you're struggling a little with offering it to yourself, you could try looking at yourself through someone who cares for you from their eyes. Let yourself feel how they care about you. Finding someone with whom we have a benefactor or some kind of easeful relationship where we feel safe with this person. And if you find that person and find it easier to send metta to them, than to yourself, then that's fine too. And just for a moment, we'll switch to the benefactor just to see how that feels. So the benefactor might be a teacher, a grandparent, a dear friend who is uncomplicated, someplace where it's very easy. It can be a pet or a child, a niece or a nephew. And with this same warm attitude of heart, seeing them, perhaps seeing them happy with a glow in their eyes, May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be well. May you be peaceful. So letting yourself go now to yourself or to the benefactor. 
or to yourself through the benefactor's eyes, whatever feels to draw you, what feels wholesome. It's the intention and the attitude. Let your attention rest there.
And if you find yourself wandering off or making it complicated or telling a story, ah, you can just go, hmm, hmm. Meanwhile, back at the heart, the simplicity of the phrase, beginning again.
It's important to recognize as you do this that this may I is not about trying to make something happen in the future. It's about may I appreciate all aspects of my beingness or someone else's, appreciating your body, appreciating your strategies for survival that you've accumulated, your neuroses, the ways you find to be kind, the ways you've learned to take care of yourself or failed to take care of yourself, the way you feel bad when you do something unskillful, the way you feel aligned when you do something skillful, All aspects of yourself are worthy of kindness and appreciation, right as they are. This relationship to what's here, to see the wisdom of causes and conditions have created this moment, and to be willing to come into intimate contact with yourself and with other beings, with the world in this moment. So I thought it would be nice, since this is our first day of doing this together, to see if there's any questions that would help support you in this practice. Anybody have anything? I think Vance is going to bring the microphone. It'd be helpful to remember that if you ask a question, it's no doubt not you're not the only one with it. You're kind of voicing what's in the field. And given that you've done it before, you may not have questions, which is fine. Okay, there's two. There's one back there and one over here. was helpful is this on it was helpful to hear the waves lapping up mm. and rushing up mm-hmm. and it was like an invitation to try again each moment mm-hmm. um, I noticed before I turned the focus of Meta on myself I was choosing a few other people some benefactors mm-hmm. and some people who have died mm-hmm. and so it was interesting to experience, you know, wishing them safety. Um, with some fear coming up, so and it was also helpful that the original meta teaching was to be an antidote to fear. Mm-hmm. So I'd never heard that. So maybe you could. I don't know. Um, 
speak more about metta in the face of fear? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for sharing the various ways it's impacting you. And metta in relation to fear. If you think about what fear is, right? Fear is this pulling back and this contraction in our in our body and the complete antithesis to safety. And metta is an invitation to that we're okay that we have already in place what we need, that an invitation to find ease, to find um, relaxation. And even though it's the intention to offer ourselves that. And so we can offer that intention even in the midst of the fear. So like, I'm afraid and I can have kindness to the fear because that's what's here, because it's the relationship to it. You know, you've probably heard that phrase that all we have to fear is fear itself. So this is switching that and going, oh, there's fear here. I can be kind to that. And so we've shifted the emphasis from the fear to the relationship. And there can be kindness in that. And that kindness can cultivate the safety that we need for our bodies to land again. Does that help? Thank you. A couple over here. There was somebody on the end. Yep. And then there's somebody there. Uh, go out that way. Oh, okay. There's somebody, and then they're pointing to somebody else. Well, there was somebody else, but they pointed to them. <laughs> they're passing it. <laughs> my my question is that, like, am I is this okay that I'm doing it this way, kind mm-hmm. of thing? Mm-hmm. The the way that I found to access it for me constitutionally is like from the outside in, mm-hmm. it's hard to go inside out, but yeah. I sort of like feel a field of metta far away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like, I don't know, devas or magical, lovely beings sort of raining it down on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of my benefactors, I can sort of imagine them floating around and just like allowing it to rain down. And eventually it's this beautiful field and and it can it can just get a little a little it's just lovely like i'm just sort of floating in it and concentration wise am i is is it important to be returning to phrases to like so i'm not just like in a kind of mushy space what you just described is beautiful and i would encourage you to continue with it and the important part is to you got that you know i could hear you being a little worried about being in the mushiness and the just sort of the overcreation of the visualization, as long as you stay connected with your heart center so that you're feeling the, the warmth, as long as you keep coming back there, 
and connecting with that, then, then you're not in mushiness. Then you're, then you're staying connected. So just keep checking that you come back here. And I sort of did something right at the beginning that was sort of pointing in that direction because I think it's really helpful, you know, to sit and feel, for instance, this land, to sit outside and feel the trees and the sky and the, the meta field around you and to just let yourself breathe that in and that, for those of you who might not visualize it as they were, that might be a way to access that same sense of having the metta coming to us. And as the days go on, we'll also get the opportunity when we're all in here together to realize, oh, we've got an entire room full of people doing metta. Talk about a meta field. So you don't even need to go far away to benefactors and devas. They're all here in the room, all around you. And you can feel that and include it as well, if that's helpful. Yeah. Thank you. There was one other person. Is their question dissolved? It's dissolved. Okay. Okay, there's one more person. This will be the last one. Thank you. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Um, I often have trouble with the phrase heart center. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of those words that doesn't have any meaning for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know what it means from a, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I can give you a definition, but, um, but from a, a felt sense, it doesn't really, doesn't really help me. And I just wondered if you had other words or other um, thoughts about that type of of feeling mm-hmm. and and where to access it. Yeah, great. Thank you for that. It's really good to have that question because I doubt you're alone on that. Um, so let me ask you a question. Just just taking a moment and just bring to mind some someone that you care about. And let yourself just bring them maybe a visualization or just the felt sense of this person or this being. And just let yourself feel it for a couple moments here. Perhaps a sense if they were right here with you. And where do you feel that in your body? Um, I actually feel it in my limbs. You feel it in your limbs. Okay. And what does it feel like there? Um, Sort of a pulsing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A pulsing? Yeah. Okay. Then notice that. Stay connected with that. And see how that supports. And see if as you do the metta and the intention is there, see how that supports you and has a sense to it. 
Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So hopefully the rest of you, if that heart center, you found some place that you can connect with the felt sense. That's the most important. Many of us feel it as some kind of warmth or tenderness or vulnerability, and it may or may not be here. It could be in your belly. It could be um, in the shoulders, sometimes for some people in the throat. So let it be what it is. Okay. Thank you for your practice. You're always welcome to do metta at any time. It, there's, not, there's no restriction on metta. So please enjoy. We have a walking period now.